listening to Dudes Talking Sports. I'm Casey Foreman. From the NBA to the NFL, I'll be giving you the most recent and up-to-date news in the world of sports. You can listen live every Monday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time at SIUEWebRadio.com or on the TuneIn Radio app and every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and welcome to this week's episode of Dudes Talking Sports. I'm your co-host, as always, Casey Foreman. No Tanner file this week. Tanner is actually on a much-needed vacation. Tanner will be back on the podcast next week. Hopefully everything's going okay for you, Tanner. Uh, but a lot to look at and break down. This week's episode is brought to you by BetUS.com, a.k.a. America's Sportsbook. There's a link in the description of today's episode. Go click on it. Deposit $50 on the website. Help us out over here on Dudes Talking Sports. But welcome to the championship podcast, guys. Since we last talked, the Golden State Warriors won the 2022 NBA Finals against the Boston Celtics in six games. That is what we have to start the show out with today. Golden State back on the mountaintop. I want to break down all of the factors that led to their title uh, championship run this season. What led, what factors went into them winning it all. We'll start the show with that today. Then in the second half of the show, the NBA draft kind of snuck up on us. Okay, the draft is on Thursday, and I thought, you know, it's a great time to give you guys a bit of a draft preview. Talk about the three players, the three guys who could end up going number one overall. Tell you my preference, break down the top 10 draft order, and tell you some trades and some movement you might want to watch out for leading up the Thursday's draft. Stick around for the entire show. Let's start, though, with the Golden State Warriors. Okay, they are back where where they belong, in my opinion. You know, back on the mountaintop, they are our NBA champions. And, man, what a great series between two teams that are mainly built through the NBA draft and not something you usually see in the super team era almost <laughs> that we are in currently in the NBA. So they're mainly built through the draft and two teams that believe in ball movement. Okay. Moving the ball and playing defense. Okay. Both teams, that was a number one and a number two rated defense in the NBA this season, matching up in the NBA finals. And that's also uh, somewhat rare in today's NBA. So it was phenomenal. I had a great time watching this series between two hard-fought, well-built teams. Uh, Golden State won four to two. They actually won three straight games. Okay, Golden State won three straight games despite falling down in the series two to one. They were down 1-0. They were down 2-1. People were, were kind of starting to wave the white flag for Golden State saying, hey, Boston is a better team, the longer team, the more athletic team, uh, but not the case. Three straight wins for Golden State equates uh, to them being NBA champions. And, man, Steph Curry, I can't say enough about this guy. He was great, and it was perhaps the best performance I have seen from him yet, especially on this stage. Uh, but, okay, but let's start with the other guys. Okay, we'll get to Steph here in just a minute. Let's start with the other guys, starting with Andrew Two-Way Wiggins. I've been saying that all year long, two-way wigs, and he showed out 
in these NBA finals after being one of the most criticized players in the league. Okay, people that labeled him a bust, said he had he had the worst contract in the league, saying he wasn't deserving of being an all-star this year. And now he is a champion. Okay, you can't take that away from Andrew Wiggins is an NBA champion. And not only that, but he was Golden State's second best player in these NBA finals and arguably in in this postseason run uh, for the Warriors. 18 points per game, eight rebounds, and one and a half steals per game in that final series against Boston. He held Jason Tatum, an all-NBA player, one of the very best players in today's game, to 36% from the floor and 21 points per game. In the prior three series, Jason Tatum was putting up a much more efficient numbers and about 27 to 28 points per game, 36% on 21 points per game because of two way wigs. Okay. That cannot be underestimated or understated. He's only 27 years old. Okay. This guy is 27 years old. In my opinion, just entering the prime of his career. He's, he's been playing his best basketball since being traded to golden state. I think he's going to continue maybe to get better. If not, I don't think there's any drop off coming Anytime soon for a 27-year-old player uh, who just had his first All-Star appearance in Andrew Wiggins. Like I said, made the All-Star team this year. And I think he established himself as a top two-way player in, in the NBA, okay? I don't think you can name me 10 better two-way players. I don't even know if you can name me five better two-way players than Andrew Wiggins when you're looking at what he did all in the, throughout the entire uh, the entirety of the regular season and the postseason uh, and in my opinion, he's not done yet. Like I said, he is not done entering the prime of his career. They would not be here. Golden State would not be celebrating this championship without Andrew Wiggins. So it's crazy that where he came from being labeled a bust in Minnesota, you know, a shot chucker, an inefficient scorer, a bad defender to being, you know, the best two way player on a championship roster. It's crazy. He's not done yet. They would not be here without two-way wigs. Moving on, talking about Kavon Looney, who I think deserves the Iron Man Award in this year's uh, regular season and postseason in the NBA. And he, it's, it's a little upsetting because he can kind of be the forgotten man when you're discussing Golden State's championship core. You, know, you bring up Steph, Clay, Draymond, Andre Iguodala has been there for every championship those guys have won. But Kevon Looney is now a three-time champion. Okay, the only the only run he really missed out on was was that first one back in 2015 when they took down the LeBron James led Cavaliers. That's the only one Kevon Looney has missed. Okay, he's a three time champ, and like I said, he's the only player on this Golden State roster. I don't know if I said that, but he is the only player on this Golden State roster who played every game in the postseason and the regular season. Not another player. He played 104 games this season in total. And that's more than Kyrie Irving has played in his three seasons as a Brooklyn Net. Okay, he's played more games in one year than Kyrie has in three seasons (laughs) as a Net in Brooklyn. So it's crazy when you put it into that kind of perspective. You know, the guy only played 61 games last year, only 20 games the year before that. He has had multiple hip surgeries, one on each side, a core surgery, and he's still 
you know, gets around the court. And I, I think this is the best we've ever seen from Kavon Looney. He had multiple games with over 18 rebounds in these playoffs. He, like I say, didn't miss a single game, played a career high in minutes as well. He averaged eight rebounds per game, stood his ground against two, you know, clearly bigger centers. You could even say more skilled centers and Robert Williams and Al Horford. Okay. I, I think, he has earned himself a contract, and I hope it's with the Golden State Warriors. You can't underestimate what Kevon Looney has done uh, throughout this entire season for the Warriors. Moving on, talking about a couple of the other guys, as I call them. How about Otto Porter Jr. and Gary Payton II? Okay, two of my X factors coming into the postseason, or sorry, coming into this final series, I'm sorry, was the health of Otto Porter and Gary Payton, two guys who add to the depth and defensive versatility on this team. It, you know, it gives the Warriors some veteran depth so they don't have to play Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, Damian Lee minutes that they honestly shouldn't be playing You know, in, in a series like this. No knock to those guys, but Gary Payton and Otto, I guess it gives them veteran depth, versatile defense, and trustworthy. Okay, These are guys you can trust on the offensive side of the ball to make the right play and to knock down big shots especially out or especially gary payton in the fast break that dude is a weapon you know in, in transition usually when, when gary payton is on the floor good things happen right so that was those were two of my x factors coming into this series and i think that played into fruition here those guys were huge uh porter started auto porter started the last three games of the series and golden state won all three of those games okay they are undefeated in the finals with auto porter jr in the starting lineup, uh, he shot 56% from three-point land. Okay, 56% from three from Otto Porter Jr. And talking about Gary Payton, seven points per game off the bench, over one and a half steals per game. Okay, one and a half over that per game coming off the bench, playing no more than 20 minutes per game. This guy's almost getting two steals. A phenomenal defender, a very good two-way player, not the best three-point shooter, but we saw it in these NBA finals. He can knock down an open one. And as I said earlier, that dude is phenomenal in transition on the fast break. Both of these players will be free agents this offseason coming up. You know, the free agency starts very soon. Like I said, you know, at the beginning of the show, the draft really snuck up on us. It's already here. Uh, but Peyton Porter, both will be free agents, but both have said they intend on staying in the Bay. That would be huge for Golden State. They are a big part of their depth, a big part of this run this season. Uh, and again, I know I keep saying this, uh, but Steph Curry said this at their championship parade. What makes the championship so sweet, you can go one through 15, talk about every single player on the roster, and they had a moment this season that contributed to this championship run. Every single guy on the roster and Gary Payton and Otto Porter were huge parts to that, as well as the rest of the 13 guys on there. Moving on, Jordan Poole, who, you, who you know, I talked, to, I talked to a guy named Ed Robinson. I was on his show earlier this week. He had a great nickname for him, Mr. Buzzer Beater. I thought it was phenomenal. Uh, Jordan Poole was Mr. Buzzer Beater in these NBA finals. The dude just turned 23 years old. 
He's 23 years old. He was 22 playing in the NBA Finals, and he has emerged this season. 18 points per game in the regular season, 17 points per game in the postseason. Not a great final series. I will admit that. Only 13 points per game, low 40s as far as his shooting percentage goes. But he gave them great moments. Okay, great moments. He wasn't great for the entirety of the series. Didn't necessarily have a great game. You can say that's the Jordan Poole game in comparison to first round against Denver when he was in the starting lineup. That he was putting up 30 points per game. Steph Clay and Poole were combining for you know over 70 points, stuff like that. So, you know, there wasn't necessarily one of those moments in these finals, but he gave them great moments. Uh, and one part of his you know, decrease in efficiency and decrease in numbers, not to get too far out of line here, but he was playing, you know, severely less minutes as the playoffs went on, as Steph Curry got healthier, as the games got more and more important. Steve Kerr was trusting his veterans and Clay Thompson and Steph Curry more than Jordan Poole. And since Jordan you know, is not a great defender, obviously you're going to put Kevon Looney, Draymond Green, and, and, and Andrew Wiggins out there instead of Jordan Poole. Uh, so that's the biggest reason you saw the lack or the decrease in production from Jordan because he was simply wasn't playing as many minutes, didn't have as large a role as he did earlier in the postseason. Uh, but those great moments, as I was talking about, two, one in specific, I know there are more than just this one, but two huge threes in game two at the end of the third quarter, one with about a minute left, 30 seconds left, and one to beat the buzzer from about half court. That put the final nail in the coffin. And that you know historic third quarter run for Golden State, as you know, the patented third quarter runs as we know them for, uh, he put the final nail in the coffin to tie up this series. And he had several. Besides that one, he had several buzzer-beating shots, you know, throughout throughout this final series. So he was big. No great game, uh, but great moments from Jordan Poole. And now Golden State, you know, he's up for an extension this offseason, probably about four years, $100 million. I think they're going to lock him up for the next four or five years, as they should. Uh, the Warriors, though, if they can lock him up, man, they finally – have what you know have what they've been searching for for so long and that is a reliable second ball handler second to Steph Curry and a spark plug off of the bench huge Jordan Poole keeps emerging the only thing stopping this guy from being an all-star in this league is the fact that he's going to be coming off of the bench behind two Hall of Famers and Clay Thompson and Steph Curry only thing stopping this guy from being an all-star in this league now talking about those veterans as I just brought up Great time to transition for that. Neither Clay Thompson or Draymond Green were great in this series. Okay, I'm going to come out that, that that's a fact. There's no disputing that. But, okay, but still, I, I think both guys had a big impact on winning this championship. Even though it wasn't a great series, they both had a big impact on getting the job done. Clay averaged 17 points per game in the finals and 19 points per game in the postseason. He had that big 30-point game nearly in game, I think it was game three. Golden State still ended up losing that game, which is weird because when Steph and Clay combined for over 50, 52 points, Usually you chalk that up as a win for Golden State. They're not used to losing a game where both of their star players shoot efficiently and have big numbers. That's not something they're used to. That happened in game three. Uh, but he had several huge moments besides that. Thinking about game six against Memphis. Game six against game six, Clay, 30 points, eight threes. Game five against Dallas because there wasn't going to be a game six against the Dallas Mavericks. So he had to, to show up a game early. 
Game five against Dallas, 32 points, eight threes. And in both of those games, game six against Memphis, game five against Dallas, he combines for 62 points and 16 three-pointers. Not a single free throw was shot by Clay Thompson in those games, 62 points in two games, not a single free throw showing you how lethal that guy can be with the ball in his hands. He simply needs to catch it, shoot it. That's all he needs. Uh, and as, as far as Draymond Green goes, people said it, you know, he had a wor- one of the worst series of his career. I beg to differ. Sure, he had stretches where he, he was not great, but this man held Jalen Brown. As far as when he guarded Jalen Brown, look at the advanced stats. 29% from the floor for Jalen Brown, one of 15 from three, okay? And, and, and like I said, 29% dude only made one of his 15 threes shot when Draymond Green was guarding him. He did a great job on a very skilled, athletic, you know, savvy guard. In Jalen Brown, who knows how to get to his spots and score on usually anyone that is in front of him, Draymond did a phenomenal job locking up one of the better young players in this league. And he had a vintage performance in game six. Let's not forget what Draymond did in the closeout game. 12 points, 12 rebounds, eight assists, two steals, two blocks, two three-pointers made. He's only two in the series, yes, I know, but still knocked him down when it mattered most. This guy is still the same player. Clay Thompson should continue to get better as he is further removed from those two catastrophic injuries. Those two guys aren't going anywhere. Despite it not being a great series for those two, they still had a big impact on Golden State winning this year's championship. Lastly, okay, before we take a break and head to the NBA draft, how about the finals MVP? Okay, how about the first time Finals MVP, Stephen Curry, 31 points per game, six rebounds, five assists, two steals per game on 48% from the floor, 43% from three, and 85% from the free throw line. Though we should have been there much more often, still hit it at a pretty high clip. Not great for Steph Curry, but 85%, we're still going to take that. Uh, and all of that, okay, 31 points, 43% from the floor, or sorry, from, from three against the best defense in the league. This same defense held Kevin Durant. I hate comparing these two guys or bringing him up. When you talk about the other, I'm not that guy. But he, they held Kevin Durant to his worst playoff series, arguably, in his career. At least in recent memory, Kevin Durant was not great whatsoever against this Boston defense. Steph Curry averaged 31 points per game and was the finals MVP. Okay, let's let's not let that be understated or undervalued here. He had 43, 10, and 4 with seven threes on about 50% shooting from three, over 50 from the floor in the pivotal must-win game four when they were down to one. Okay, they lose that game. Series is over. You're not you're not coming back from 3-1. You know, only one team has done that, and that was actually against Golden State, obviously, back in 2016. Uh, but 43 points and seven threes on a 50-plus percent shooting in a must-win game four. And then after that, you propel your, your, your team, and you guys don't lose the game for the rest of the series. Okay, that is his moment in the NBA Finals. We saw that in this series. People said, what's his, what's his big patented moment? 
in the NBA Finals. Well, I would say he already had one, and that was back in Game 5 of the 2015 Finals when this guy dropped 37 points, and Golden State ended up winning in six, obviously. They don't win that series if Seth doesn't have that performance in Game 5. So I think he already had one, but this, even better, even sweeter, you know, more, more recent in the memory for you as well. Uh, so, so my big question, as, as Steph has been saying since they won the title, is what are they going to say now, right? What are they going to say now? This guy is a two-time regular season MVP, four-time champion, one, two, three, four, finals MVP, only player in NBA history to win a regular season MVP and a finals MVP unanimous unanimously he's the only guy to win a unanimous regular season mvp a two-time scoring champ eight-time all-nba player eight-time all-star a steel champ back in 2016 all-star game mvp this season western conference finals mvp for the first time in nba history he is the most three-point shots made in NBA history, this dude's only 34 years old as well. He's going to absolutely smash that record. I don't think next to anyone is going to be able to break that. Best free throw percentage in NBA history. And no one is really that close. Steph Curry, by far the best free throw, free throw shooter in NBA history. He is one of nine, one of nine players to average 50, 40, 90 in a single season, 50% from the floor, 40% from three, 90% from the free throw line. He is one of three players, one of three to have at least four championships, two MVPs, and two scoring titles. He's alongside Michael Jordan and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Then Steph Curry is right there after those two legendary names. He is one of three guards, one of three guards in NBA history to average 30 points per game in multiple final series what else like i'm i'm kind of curious what else you know could he possibly accomplish more mvps more finals mvps more championships i think i think we're really you know looking for small things here in my eyes you add all that's that's a whole page Okay, that's a whole page of accolades there from a 34-year-old guard who still has plenty left to play in his career. In my opinion, I think we, we are watching, we have watched the greatest point guard in NBA history. I know that's a pretty big statement, but you add all those things up. This guy also changed the game of basketball. Okay, changed the game forever. You have to be able to score you know from outside you have to be able to have a jump shot now practically to play in today's nba look at ben simmons okay the big reason people are bashing on him saying he can't play is because he can't he doesn't have an outside jumper great passer great rebounder great defender ah we don't want him though because he can't shoot threes that's because of steph curry trey young gets drafted and has a team built around him because of steph curry like this guy changed the game four rings Two MVPs, a finals MVP, scoring champ. What more can he do? You know, what can you guys say right now? So I think he's the best point guard in, in, in NBA history. When Tanner comes back next week, we can kind of dive into it just a little bit more. Uh, but to wrap to wrap up this segment before we go to half, the dynasty is not over. You know, I, whenever we did what would a ring mean, uh, you know, maybe a month or so ago. We said that, you know, if they win this championship, the dynasty is not over. It is continuing. Um, and that's exactly the case. It is not over. And in my opinion, 
they have the potential to be even better next season. I think the Warriors could be a better team. When you're, when you're looking at their roster, no drop-off from Steph, Draymond, and I think Clay should be even better next year. Okay, thinking if they can bring most of their free agents back. Jordan Poole just turned 23. Okay, I'm going to bet that he's going to continue to improve while playing with those Hall of Famers. Uh, so I think he's going to continue to improve. I think Jonathan Kaminga will continue to improve. And then you can't forget about a seven-footer, over seven feet tall, a guy the second overall pick in a couple of years ago draft, James Wiseman. Okay, hopefully, fingers crossed, he can have a major role in the rotation next year. And what was the big thing people kept saying Golden State was missing? Size. Size and a, and, a, and a true center down the rim protector. That's exactly what James Wiseman and plus some super athletic and shooting outside jumper. The sky's the limit for this roster. And as long as we don't see any drop off from those main guys and these young, young players continue to develop as we've seen players do in this Golden State system, in this franchise, they're going to be even better next year. And at this point in time, early, early, early prediction, I don't see why there's any reason this team cannot go back to back and, and, and get their get their fifth championship as a core, as a group. I don't see any reason why they can't. I know it's a big swing, bit of a prisoner of the moment right now, uh, but the dynasty is not over. It just feels great, you know, for as someone who has predicted this and saw this coming, you know, after being written off, saying the dynasty is over. When Clay Thompson gets back, it doesn't mean they're going to be back to contention. Steph Curry's dropping off. Draymond Green isn't the same player. Yada, yada, yada. They're NBA champions. Okay, these guys have four rings sitting on their fingers now, and I don't think there's anything stopping them uh, besides themselves. You know, besides age and injury, I think this team is going to be really tough to beat as well, you know, also next season. Let's go to break, uh, come back, talk about the NBA draft, which, as I said earlier, kind of snuck up on us. Uh, coming up on Thursday, all things NBA draft preview coming up after the break. Casey Foreman on, Tanner File coming back next week. Keep it locked on. All right, welcome back. As we said in the first half of the show, let's transition. Still sticking with the NBA, uh, but the NBA draft is already here. As I said, it's been sneaking up on us. The NBA Finals just concluded, and the draft is here already. Time to move on, scrap the championship. You know, s- screw the Warriors right now. Move on and talk all things NBA draft. And look at the next wave of NBA talent to hit the league. Uh, it's crazy that we're already, when you're listening to this here on a Wednesday, when it comes out, just a day away you know, from the NBA draft. So let's get into it. There are basically three players being debated uh, for that number one overall pick, which, if you don't know, belongs to the Orlando Magic. Okay, Orlando last season trading Nikola Vuce, or trading yeah, Nikola Vucevic, trading Aaron Gordon, big parts of their team gone, and you know officially starting that reboot and that that rebuild. And now nothing better. You have the number one overall pick, your choice 
in an NBA draft with a lot of talent to say, hey, who do we want to start our franchise? Who do we want to build our franchise around going forward? And as I said, there are about three guys who are uh, just as worthy as, as, you know, as each other. Three guys we're looking at here. Jabari, starting with the first one which a lot of people think could be the case, Jabari Smith out of Auburn. Okay, if you don't know this guy, six foot ten forward, a versatile defender, elite shot maker. Okay, this guy is so much bigger, so much longer than everybody else, can simply rise up almost no matter who's guarding him. And this guy's an, an incredibly efficient three-point shooter. He's six foot ten, still shoots 42% from three-point land in college, obviously. You see if that translates to the NBA, which I think it should. Um, but a versatile defender, elite shot maker, super athletic. 17 points per game, seven rebounds, one block, one steal, 42% from three-point land. This guy can defend one through five, very athletic, very long, super good three-point shooter. So now you're asking, Casey, what? why shouldn't they? Draft at number one overall. You know, what What are the cons? What are the concerns here? Well, there are a couple uh, shot creation you know, like I said earlier, he's so big, he's so long, can almost, you know, in college at least, could rise up and shoot the ball over next to anyone that was guarding him. NBA, that's not the case. You're no longer the biggest or longest player on the court. Well, he very well still could be. That's how big and long that he is. Um, but shot creation, one thing that we haven't necessarily seen from him at a high level and shot IQ. Okay, that those two things could be concerns. As I said, didn't have to worry about those things in college, but in the NBA is something that is something he's going to have to worry on and work on. Uh, so those are the only two things. Besides that, this guy is a great player, and I think a, a lot of franchises would be happy you know, building their team around this guy. So that's Shabari Smith. The next guy I want to discuss is Chet Holmgren. Okay, Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga. This guy is over seven feet tall, a great, and I'm not under understating that, a great shot blocker, can handle the ball, can score on pretty much all three levels, 14 points, 10 rebounds, almost four blocks per game, guys, 3.7 blocks per game on 60% from the floor. Okay, 60% from the floor. He perhaps, perhaps has the highest ceiling out of anyone in this draft. You know, that's that's why you, you, you take Chet Holmgren. You know, he might take a couple of years or a year or so to really, you know, get, get that dominance going, maybe, maybe even longer uh, because, because of the concern. The concern with him is size, size, size. Okay, this guy is over seven feet tall, but weighs 190, 195. You know, you're going to get bumped around being the skinniest and the smallest guy on the court. And people say it's Kevin Durant, you know, and Kevin Durant did just fine. I don't think Chet has quite the athleticism that that KD had, that KD has. Not saying he's not athletic. He definitely is, but he can move. You know, being that tall, being that long, the way he can move with the ball in his hand and the ball without, you know, ball not in his hand. This guy is super athletic, but I don't know if he's on the level of a Kevin Durant. Uh, but again, the biggest reason you're, you're taking this guy is because how high his ceiling could be. And if you're asking how high, 
the guy I just brought up. Perhaps it is Kevin Durant. You know, that, that is a generational top 15, top 12, 13 player of all time. Kevin Durant is one of the best elite scorers we have ever seen. Um, so again, that's quite the task comparing him to a guy like that. I don't, I don't want to just put that burden on him. Uh, but that, again, I don't think he's going to be Kevin Durant, but that is the comparison. You know, that's what we've heard many times that that size, what he can do with the ball, what he can do shooting the ball, very good passer. And he's a, and he's just as good. If not a better defender, a better rim protector, this guy averaged three or four blocks per game. Uh, but the concerns, as I said, size and can he defend in the post, this guy is over seven feet tall, is going to be playing some forward, some center. Uh, he could also be playing some small forward. Who knows with this guy, some point forward. Um, but can he defend the other seven footers on the floor? What if he gets matched up with Joel Embiid, with Nikola Jokic, with Carl Anthony Towns? I'm really not sure how he's going to be able uh, to withstand guarding those guys, but his length, his shot blocking ability should help him early on until he can gain the weight, gain the size to compete with those guys. Um, but this guy has a super high ceiling, can score uh, on on all three levels. Uh, a, a good passer, great shot blocker, great. This guy's a very good player. Size is the only thing stopping this guy from being phenomenal in the NBA. So that's the other guy we're looking at, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren. And then third, the final guy, and for the most part, we, we really haven't heard a lot of rumblings about him going number one overall. Mainly, it's been Chet, it's been Jabari, uh, but pa- Paolo Bancaro from Duke, out of Duke, six foot ten forward, can guard multiple positions, create his own shot, great at getting to the rim. You know, perhaps he could be the most NBA ready guy out of this draft class. Really, he okay, other guys are going to surprise us, obviously, like, like they always do. Uh, but he very well, as far as these top guys go, he could be the most NBA ready to come and translate right away. How high is his ceiling? Maybe not as high as a Chet Holmgren. Uh, but this guy is super good, still very well could be an all-star, probably will be an all-star in this league. Only thing stopping him is fit. What franchise is he going to go to? Stuff like that. What you know? What system is he going to be playing in? But 17 points per game, eight rebounds, one steal, one block, 47% from the floor. This guy can do a little bit of everything, can handle the ball, can shoot the three, great at driving, super athletic, a, a legitimate lob threat, a very good defender. He's, he could guard your center. He could guard your small four. Maybe you can even toss him on a guard or two. Um, only concerns. Again, every single guy we're talking about has a couple of concerns here and there. No, none of these guys are perfect. There isn't a perfect player in NBA history. He can be inconsistent a little inconsistent shooting the basketball okay at times we could see him shooting very inefficient numbers and he can at times be a little reluctant to shoot the three ball and that could be a growing concern in a league that loves shooting threes as i was talking about because of a guy in steph curry you know they love shooting threes if you can't shoot the three the game is going to move away from you um unless you're just that dominant in all the other areas uh, but so he can be a little inconsistent, a little reluctant to shoot that three ball, but he can guard nearly one through five and shot creation. When, when we're talking about Jabari and how that could be, you know, a concern, it's the opposite for Bankiro here. Bankiro, this guy can create his own shot, can get to the rim, 
no problem. So depends what you're looking for, uh, but all three guys are capable of going number one, though we mainly hear it from Jabari from Chet. And if you're not sure about the draft order at this point in time, let me get you caught up. Uh, so Orlando, the Orlando Magic have that number one overall pick. OKC right there at two. Houston at three. The Sacramento Kings have the fourth pick. Then it goes Pistons at five. Pacers at six. Portland at seven. Pelicans at eight. A lot of P's are four straight P's. Pelicans at eight. Spurs at nine. And the Washington Wizards have the 10th pick in the 2022 NBA draft. So now to wrap up the show, I want to look at some movement, at some possible trades that we very well could see coming up and leading up to Thursday's draft. A lot of Usually a lot of trades occur on draft night. Uh, so let's break down some. So when we're looking at the top three teams, I'm guessing I I, I really think that we're not going to see any movement there. Orlando, OKC, and Houston, I think, are going to be cemented in those three spots. Maybe Houston has an agreement to move up to number two, and OKC moves back to three, something like that, because they know their guy is going to drop. Whatever the case may be, similar to what we saw Boston do a couple years back, or. Many years back when they drafted Jason Tatum, they knew he wasn't going to go number one overall. They trade back with Philadelphia, stuff like that. Um, but but as far as, you know, in the top 10, I do still think we very well could see some movement, starting with the number four overall pick for the Sacramento Kings. When you're looking at Sacramento and what they just did this season, trading away Tyrese Halliburton, I think Buddy Heald was also a part of that trade, sending them to Indiana for DeMontis Sabonis, an all-star in this league, one of the best power forwards in basketball. I think that's kind of pushing your chips in the middle of the table, saying, hey, we are tired of rebuilding. We have been rebuilding this thing for so long now, and we're not necessarily doing it through the draft. You know, Tyrese Halliburton was a very good player, but he healed a very good shooter. Uh, but they went the route of De'Aaron Fox. That's the guard that they chose over Tyrese Halliburton and over, over Buddy Heald as well. So, I don't think sitting at number four, you're probably not getting Chet, you know, Paolo or Jabari. You know, if one of those three guys drop, then for sure you keep your pick and you make that selection, you get one of those three guys because that's a steal at number four. But I think you're more likely going to get a, a Jaden Ivey, you know, someone like that at a Purdue, which it's like you just traded Tyrese Halliburton, who you know works in the NBA. Why would you do that move just to go get another guard okay so i don't think that's the case for sacramento i think we're going to be seeing a trade right here at number four again unless we see those one of those three guys drop if i'm the kings i'm trading my number four overall pick for a win now sort of player similar to what they just did going out and getting demontes sabonis so i don't think we're going to be seeing Jaden ivy to the kings and if that is what we see i think that is a big mistake why take time to develop a whole other player when you have De'Aaron Fox has played several years in the league now. DeMontis Sabonis is an all-star in this league. Why would you go pair a rookie up with those guys, when a guard at that, when you already had one? And Tyrese Halliburton, who's a very good player. So I don't think it makes sense, even for Sacramento, <laughs> which you know, who doesn't make a lot of sense a lot of the times here. I'm wishing Mike, uh, Mike Brown – 
a lot of luck there in in uh, you know for in the Kings organization, former assistant coach of the Golden State Warriors. We'll see what they do there. I think he's going to have some sort of say. Other things to watch out for here: the Pacers. Okay, the Pacers. Well, they have the sixth overall pick in the draft, as I just mentioned, and they're looking to trade Brogdon and Miles Turner, two good players, if not very good players. I think again, they've started the rebuild. They traded Sabonis, who's an, who's an All Star in this league, for an up and coming guy in Tyrese Halliburton. So I think they're going to continue. They've got a brand new brand new head coach in Rick Carlisle. I think he's building his team, getting his guys. Malcolm Brogdon, very good player, former Rookie of the Year, Virginia guy. Uh, Miles Turner, elite shot blocker, very good defender, a lob threat. Can also shoot the outside jumper. I think these two guys are going to be, you know, a, a, a nice, a nice uh, a option for a lot of teams out there. I think a lot of people are going to be in the Brogdon Turner sweepstakes, and I think we very well could see the Pacers trading both of those players. For perhaps the you know the tenth pick for the Wizards, maybe the Wizards want to pair up Malcolm Brogdon, you know, to try and get Bradley Beal to stay in town. I think a team like the Wizards, or even the probably not the Spurs because they have a point guard already. Maybe the Pelicans who don't want to go and rebuild their roster. Maybe maybe we see them go out and, and and get a Malcolm Brogdon. We'll see. Either way, I don't think both Brogdon and Turner will be a Pacer. After this NBA draft, I think I think Indiana is still searching for more picks, or maybe they use their sixth overall pick and one of those players to move up and get in, you know, to get to get into, into the top five, perhaps. Right. So I think the Pacers will be moving those players, maybe getting an additional pick or moving up in the draft. A couple teams I want to hit on before we wrap up here: the Knicks. Okay, the Knicks have the eleventh overall pick. And there's a lot of rumblings that they want to try and trade up into the top 10, if not into the top, into the top five. And I know it's, it's the Knicks. We always hear this stuff. They want Zion. You know, they're going to get, they're going to get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. They're going to make a super team. There's a lot of talk always regarding the New York Knicks, but I you know I think it makes a lot of sense for them here because at 11, it's hard to say what you're going to be getting in this draft. And I, I think it'd make a lot of sense for New York to move on, maybe start talking with a team like the Kings. But when you're talking about the Knicks, what do you have to offer Sacramento when they could probably get a better player at number four than anybody you're willing to give up on that Knicks roster? So we'll see. Knicks are at number 11. I think we very well could be seeing them trade up into the top 10. Uh, Charlotte, last team I'm going to hit on here. The Charlotte Hornets, also a team in the win now scenario, similar to that Sacramento team, kind of pushing their chips all the way in. Borderline playoff team, they lost in the play-in tournament this year, as you know, you could kind of predict. They're trying to get over the hump, not be a play-in tournament team, not be a borderline playoff team. They want to make the playoffs, okay? With, with a star in LaMelo Ball, they want to capitalize on that talent while he's still young as he continues to get better. And with the 13th and with the 15th overall pick, again, are you going to be able to get two players, or even a player, who's going to make your rotation? Okay, they're picked last season. I'm kind of blanking on what his name is now, but he, he's not even in the rotation right now. Okay, I think the two players they selected in last year's draft, both are not even in the rotation for the most part, right? So at number 13 and number 15, I think they're moving out of the rebuild phase, trying to make a playoff push. I think Charlotte trades both 
if not one, but I think it should be both of these picks. Uh, maybe they try and package Gordon Hayward with it, with all that salary he brings on, because I was trying to free up some salary to sign Miles Bridges to a bigger deal. Um, but either way, I think those two picks are gone. Charlotte in a win-now scenario, in a win-now situation, uh, similar to Sacramento. I think they package those two picks, move on, get a player to help them, and contribute today and try and make a playoff push. Uh, but the NBA draft, guys, is this Thursday. I am super excited for it. Again, my Golden State Warriors, thankfully, I'm thanking God. No, we are not. <laughs> we, we are not in the lottery for the first time in two seasons. We, we, we had the number two overall pick. Then I believe the seventh and the 14th, we'll see uh, something like that. So I'm glad that they're no longer in the lottery. So again, I'm not as invested as I was perhaps last year and the year before that, but there are a lot of good players, specifically those top three guys that I broke down. If I'm choosing today for me, it kind of depends what I'm willing to do. If I'm a team that kind of wants to get a head start and try and jump into that playoff push right away, you know, maybe I go Paolo Bancaro. Maybe I go Jabari Smith. But if I'm willing to develop and take the time with Chet Holmgren, again, I think he very well could have the highest ceiling in this NBA draft. I'm very excited to see what franchises they go to, what systems are going to be playing in. Uh, well, that's about it for this week's episode of Dudes Talking Sports, guys. Thank you all for your continued support. Sorry about no episode this week. There, We might not be an episode in a couple of weeks from now as well. I will be relocating uh, to Montana, actually. I got a job out there to be on the radio, uh, do some play-by-play for the football and basketball teams for Northern Montana State University. So I'll be moving out there here in a, in, in a couple of weeks or so. So we'll have to see about how the relocation goes and if we have Wi-Fi stuff like that. But, you know, from here on out, we're getting closer and closer to the NFL season. NBA draft, obviously, is this week. The free agency is coming up, all that. So there's a lot of good stuff for us to be talking about here on Dudes Talking Sports for the next several months, several weeks, stuff like that. So keep it locked on. Thank you all uh, for listening week in and week out i want to urge excuse me urge everyone to go follow us on twitter dudes talking underscore pod on instagram dudes underscore talking underscore sports on whatever platform you are listening on leave us a comment review a rating uh whatever that platform allows you to do please do it for us we appreciate any feedback negative or positive uh please give it to us but like I said, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you all. One more time, go check out BetUS.com, America's Sportsbook. For those of you who are into sports betting, uh, there's going to be a link in the episode description. Go check it out. Deposit $50. Help us out here over on Dudes Talking Sports. Casey Foreman here. Tanner File coming back next week. Thanks for listening. What's going on, guys? You're listening to Dudes Talking Sports. I'm your co-host, as always, Casey Foreman, alongside my co-host, Tanner Filed.
Sports. Tanner, you said you were upset, I think, before the season ending. Let's open it with you. What, what are your first thoughts? What are your thoughts now? We've got about a day now to think about it. It's not an interesting move. I don't know if it <laughs> title changes in any way. I don't know if it makes the team any better. For sure, uh, go Yankees. Growing up, I was a Yankee fan. As far as everyone listening, thank you all for your continued support. Go follow us on Twitter, Dude's Talking underscore Pod, whatever platform you're listening on. Go give us a follow, a subscribe, a comment, a like, wherever you're, like, wherever you're uh, listening. Go show us some love. Uh, we appreciate everyone's support. Thank you for listening. We can out. That's Tanner File. I'm Casey Foreman. Thank you guys for listening. I think that's going to be it for this week's episode of the Deuce Talking Sports. Sounds good. Deuce Talking Sports. Sports.